Hello, and welcome to the Writers Showcase podcast. I'm your host today, Heather Gooden, and I write YA Paranormal and Fantasy under the name H.M. Gooden. And this podcast is part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. And tonight, I am thrilled to have Shane Wilson with me. Shane is a storyteller from the United States, and his work is something that I am going to let him go into today because he has crossed not just genres, but mediums. Shane, thank you so much for being with me tonight. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, do I call you H or do I call you You can Heather? call me Heather. Okay. Yeah. I write under the HM because it's shorter, but yeah. most people call me Heather or on Facebook, Megs. So. Gotcha. Heather. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Well, thanks for being with us. And uh, I am curious, actually, to ask you a little bit how your quarantine period <laughs> has played into some of your most recent creations. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's that's a good place to start. It's as good a place as any. It's all yeah. any of us have done for the last year, right? It's so it's been a weird ride. <laughs> it's a very unifying kind of uh, moment in in some ways, and I guess in others it has been uh, disjointed and and fragmenting, right? But yeah, uh, I have spent a lot of quarantine time revising and uh, writing. A new so revising a third novel and then writing a fourth novel uh the third is getting ready it's almost ready to ship off to the uh publisher so we uh are we're looking at a at a 2022 uh release date on that probably uh the the big project that i really plunged all in uh on during quarantine especially those early days when things were mm -hmm. very strange and you know, I I remember feeling such a myriad of emotions uh, all at once, all the time, every day, right? Sadness, hopelessness, hope, like all mm -hmm. of it was just, it was just this intense kind of roller coaster in those early months. And um, every little grain of good news was mm -hmm. a spike, right? And then every yeah. little grain of bad news was, oh, here we go again. Yeah. Uh, and uh so I have I have a side project, which is a music project, and uh, we had spent a few years writing some songs and we talked about recording a record and everything. And so in those early days, I just threw myself into that and recorded the music and uh, recorded all of that stuff. And uh, that came out finally uh, at the beginning of this month. So about four weeks ago. That's very exciting. Yeah. Now. I couldn't help, and I'm wondering, you've probably heard this before, but in some ways, it kind of reminded me a little bit about what a certain other famous singer recently did with the um, the folktales. The, I think that you're talking about my uh, girl, uh, T-Swizzle. Yeah, yeah, your girl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'll I'll say this, and uh, I do love uh, Tay Tay. Uh, <laughs> I am a Swifty, I suppose, in 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 many many ways. I've 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 struggled with her uh, in the past with some well, of her, you know. 
We all grow and change. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> and and I just feel like these, these albums, Folklore and uh, mm-hmm. Evermore. Yeah. Folklore especially really spoke to me uh, yeah. in it. It was, it's, I think it's probably her best record in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I think folklore is, is her, it feels very genuine and very grounded and very mature. Uh, Evermore. A little magical. A little, very, very magical. I think yeah. Evermore was good, uh, but it was, it definitely felt more like the radio album, right? Mm-hmm. Like these are the, these are the pop songs. Yeah. Uh, folklore. There's just really something magical about that album and the way that it came together. There's a really great, uh, I don't want to call it a, doc- a documentary, but on Disney Plus, there's uh, a, a film, I guess, where her and uh, her collaborators sit down and talk about each of the tracks and then play them acoustically for the first time yeah. in the same room. It's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's very cool. And I it's was, like, I was. It's that isolated but together in the music. Yeah, it, it's something I was thinking about that this week, actually, because this week, I think, met, uh, was the one year anniversary of the first song that I recorded as a part of that project. Wow. And so I was thinking about that. And um, I wrote a little bit about what that process was like and, and what it feels like to look back on it. And um, I, I think that art always speaks to me because it makes me feel like even though I may be struggling with it in mm-hmm. isolation, it makes me feel like I'm a part of a bigger conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, that conversation may take a while. Uh, it may take a while to have that conversation because I have to send this stuff out there and then people have to consume it and, and develop a relationship with it and all of that. But yeah. um, I want those songs to feel like uh, quiet conversations uh, with an old friend, right? Because that is what we were missing so much of in those early days. Uh, we were, trying to find ways of feeling the absence left by the people that we couldn't see anymore. I think that's a wonderful way of looking at it because I think for many people, busy kind of takes over. Mm. And this year, it's now been 12 months since the busy was basically came to a screeching halt, like mm. a car hitting a you know brick wall. And what it left behind for a lot of people was that desire for connection and making something that meant something out of the year. Yeah. It was suddenly uh, so apparent the things that we took for granted. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that there, that we've ever had such a stark realization. And so, and so quickly, uh, yeah. you know, of course you, when, if you lose someone close to you, you, you realize like maybe you took their presence for granted yeah. or something like that. But but that's um, a part of your life. This is yeah. everything in everybody's yeah. life. And yeah, it is. It, it was, it was wild. And so like, yeah. I couldn't, uh, I live with my girlfriend and, and she sings on the, on the album, okay. but, uh, my other creative partner, uh, the, the guy who does like percussion and stuff for me, like mm-hmm. we weren't able to, to be together. We weren't able to practice music together. We weren't able to play shows together. And, uh, so that like it, I think that his absence is felt on, on the album mm-hmm. because we weren't able to record his stuff, you know, uh, for, for some of those songs, like I had to fill in on percussion, mm. uh, on the album. And so it, it, it is, it is absolutely a product of that specific time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, he was still as involved as possible, right? I mean, I would talk to him about it, and I would send him tracks and stuff, but he doesn't have the capacity on his end to record stuff and send it back. Okay. Uh, so it was it, it was challenging, but when but now that we're starting to we're starting to play again a little bit now, you know, yeah. I'm vaccinated, all the way vaccinated. Yeah. Um, yeah, you guys are lucky over there. I'm I'm in Canada, and uh, we have not had access to the amount of vaccines that many other countries have. Yeah. So I think in my area they're down to the maybe 65 plus right now. Right. Well, as a healthcare worker, I am vaccinated, but I'm like the only one in my family except for my sister-in-law who's a nurse. Yeah. So. Yeah, my girlfriend's a nurse, so she yeah. was the first, and I'm an educator. So then you know I'm kind of one Next of those essential guys yeah. yeah and uh so i i got my second shot last like uh two weeks ago almost now did so you think I'm, you were dying the next day as well because i certainly did <laughs> no i felt okay actually oh. like i was tired uh but oh, it did no. not beat me up like it like i hear that it has beat other people up. i was like oh yes i know where all of the lymph nodes are in the back <laughs> of my neck excellent yeah. it's yeah. working i actually the first shot you can ask my husband and my children i ran around yelling i have science in my arm and it's like, <laughs> oh, mommy went crazy again man i was like ready to go pick up cars and stuff i, I felt like <laughs> i felt invincible you know i you know i think everybody i've talked to even if they felt really crappy that after yeah. their like booster it's just that sense of that weight that waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm -hmm. And for me, I remember getting quite sick with H1N1 like a decade ago. Yeah. And I missed a month of work. I couldn't run for nine months. I lost 10 pounds. So I think I was stress eating a little in case I went into the hospital. <laughs> yeah. So now I have to kind of pull back a little bit on that because I probably won't end up in the hospital for a month now that I'm vaccinated. Yeah. So, uh, no more ice yeah. cream for a bit. But you know, things here are starting to open up and we're start. we, we like booked our first show, uh, for in, in a year. It's a, it's at the end of April. So it's very, very exciting good. stuff. Yeah. And is that in a local venue for you? Yeah. It's a little uh, brewery here. Okay. Um, yeah. So we're gonna, you know, when, when this thing first, kicked up we had some shows that we uh, had to cancel uh, but at the same time uh, I was already kind of getting in the mode to record and and take a break from the live shows because I, wanted to, to, I wanted to have so I wanted to have a product yeah. you know like yeah. here's, here are our songs and it's it's tough to be a band in in this town uh, that mm. plays original music uh, because this is a this is a bar band kind of yeah. place. they want to hear like oh play the the, the top whatever any yeah. journey song uh you know uh hype white people music i guess is what you would call it uh but you know johnny hick, cash hick -hop? no hick, <laughs> hick hop yeah that's what hick it's called hop, right? yeah i mean I, i'm sure they would love any like florida georgia line and like there are certain lines that i won't cross <laughs> that's fair um, and you know what i don't i would not cross those because you know well i think that i i value the bar band experience i know that this is a writer's showcase thing and we're yeah. talking all but about you know what it's all the same i also yeah. write poetry and i mean music some of the best songs really are stories and and i don't yeah. care what what you know style of music it is the songs that have stuck with me are always the story songs mm-hmm Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, uh, one of the, 
Well, and I, I guess I can use this as a soft pivot into yeah. the writing if you'd like. You know, uh, I, it's all, like I said, it's all about magic. It's all about writing yeah. and connecting. So, I mean, the, the whole reason that I write music is yeah. because I write novels. Uh, yeah. I was, I'm not a classically trained musician. Uh, I had uh, as much piano as any other child, you know, but beyond that's, that, that's I never really played time. an instrument. <laughs> I just wanted to play guitar, but... Uh, when I got to my second novel, I wanted to write about musicians, uh, but mm. I also didn't want to sound like I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> so, I, yeah, so I bought a guitar just because I wanted to, even if I never learned to play the instrument, I wanted to know what it felt like to make chords and yeah. to like feel the strings press into my fingers. I wanted to be able mm. to describe that in a really honest and genuine kind of way. Yeah. And uh, from that, uh, I really developed a passion for it. And I, I think any musician has this similar story where they play three or four chords together and then they are able to put that together into a song that they've listened to on the radio a billion times and they love it. Yeah. And and it's it's something like unlocking a magic trick, right? Like now all of it's a really sudden it. this this magic that that you've only been able to have like uh, mm -hmm. this sort of ethereal experience with. Now it is in you. Now you know how to do it. You know how to get the rabbit out of the hat. And it's so wild. And so mm -hmm. uh, I ended up writing, the very first song that I ever wrote was a song out of that novel. And so uh, okay. it was a cool experience to be able to, when I do readings and stuff at bookstores, to be able to actually play the song from the that book. Is, that is a really... Yeah, I, I can't even imagine what that would do. Like you're in the middle of a chapter and then you just pull up the guitar and you play yeah. this song like you're the character. Right. Yeah. It's it's I think that it it definitely achieved what I wanted it to achieve, which is it, it, it mm -hmm. allowed me to add a really uh, like a, a very organic, earthy sort of texture to it. Right. Like it, mm -hmm. it feels now like a musician wrote that book instead of somebody who just liked music. And so then in that case, would you consider yourself a writer, a musician, or like how, how do you kind of go between the two now? Well, uh, I, and the bio starts off with that phrase, right? Shane Wilson is a storyteller. That's, that's really at the heart of it is that yeah. all of the songs are narratives. They, yeah. I don't write nonsense songs or, or super abstract stuff, right? Like these are stories. This is the tradition of uh, Bruce Springsteen or Jason Isbell, mm -hmm. right? Like these are songs about people and and real experience and so uh, these are just stories that didn't fit in a book or in a short story uh, or in a poem or in a play right these are stories that for whatever reason they found their home in music and um, yeah so that's I think how I navigate those things because uh, I think at the heart of all of it is just a fascination with story mm -hmm. and the magic of that of storytelling well, and as someone who loves writing magic, I probably would have started writing 20 years earlier, but at that time, there wasn't a lot of magic outside of the high fantasy type mm. stuff or the science fiction. Paranormal wasn't really a genre. And every time I started something, it ended up the person had magic powers in the first three chapters. I was like, right. ah, <laughs> I wasn't trying to do that, but that's kind of how my head works. And growing up in a musical family, I just found it really interesting when I was reading about you because my brother's actually an opera singer. That's his day job. And awesome. my grandmother never learned how to play uh, except for like one year of courting on a piano. And I've never to this day heard anybody play the way she could. She could just hear something and just play it. Yeah. 
and one of my brothers could do that with the bagpipes. So I can tell you, growing up, there was some really interesting story moment yeah. when you've got an older brother playing Highway to Hell on the bagpipes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so it to me, this seems like it just kind of that natural flow. But as somebody that also does get a little bit of, into projects and obsessed with projects, I could imagine it would be sometimes challenging to kind of go between the two because when you get into something mm. it might be a little hard to get back to it and music isn't as forgiving as perhaps writing is when it comes to practice and things like You're that right yeah and that's those are very that's, that's a very interesting <laughs> line of thought there the idea of of bouncing between the two crafts uh mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, because as a, as a career, yeah, it makes sense, right? They're all stories, but as practice, it's I think a little bit different. Um, because a novel mm -hmm. is is a real endeavor, right? This yeah. is something that, and and an album is an endeavor too, but it's also naturally broken up into shorter endeavors. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, I as as a college teacher, I get uh, I'm lucky enough that I get to take the the two summer months off. Uh, from teaching, which is fantastic, because that's when I write long form fiction. That is, okay. uh, and I, and for those two months, I treat it like my job. I wake up in the morning, mm -hmm. I park it in the chair, I write three to six thousand words, however many that I can force yeah. out of my brain that day, and and that's what I do. And then the rest of the time, I'm reading, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe I'm working on music or whatever. But because I can work on music or songs in shorter bursts. Um, and because that process also kind of feels differently, I like to write long form, long form fiction in a totally immersive kind of way, right? Where I live in that story for as much time as possible every day and yeah. consistently until it's done. Uh, I think that it's most effective and most coherent when you write like that. It, it is. I do find like the quicker I write a book, mm -hmm. if I, you know, if I've been dictating or whatever, and I can sometimes write a book in three or four weeks, it's way easier to remember what you had said, like right. two or three or 20 chapters before, yeah. you know, compared to when you draw it out over a year. So absolutely a novel's easier to write in one big chunk, even if it's more exhausting like that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and then you definitely have to put it away. Uh, for a absolutely, while. <laughs> in a drawer, <laughs> which yeah. is good if you've only got the two months of summer because it would, I mean, two months is a decent amount of time. If yeah, you, I, can, I can write a, a manuscript a rough draft, right? A really rough, rough draft in two in two months, pretty easily at this point. Uh, it's something that also gets easier the more you do it. Uh, most and faster, yeah, and way faster. You're like, what? The first book took like six years, and then yeah. the second book was like one year. Yeah, like, the oh. uh, the third novel, which is the one that is uh, that we hope to publish next year, is the is the fastest book that yeah. ever came out of me. It, it's the and it and it came out so fully formed. Yeah. Uh, unlike some of the other things that where I had to go back and, and work at stuff, this book, I, I reread it for the first time in uh, probably a year or two uh, yeah. over the winter holidays because I was doing revisions and stuff. And I thought, wow, this is, this is pretty this is damn good. good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm pretty proud of this. It's like you you go from being that freshman to the junior and then like you're, you know, your sophomore year and you're like, right. hey, awesome. And yeah. then you get to be a senior and you're like, I suck again. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> eventually you become a freshman in college, right? Yeah. <laughs> I always say like for, for me, it's like learning a new language in a lot of ways, because when you first start learning a new language, like French, we all kind of have to learn it in school here you 
you're like, oh, I totally suck. I don't know any of the words. And then you get to a point where you're like, okay, I can have a conversation here. And then you like level up and you hit this plateau where you're, you hate every single thing you're saying. Like it sounds horrible. It's awful. And then you stay there for what feels like forever. And then suddenly you're like, and you're like what where who said that <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't even sound like you yeah i think that is very similar to art right and yeah. creation i was just thinking about as you were talking about that i was like wow she's describing how my relationship with music because now i've been playing the guitar for four or five years yeah. and i've hit that plateau now right where everything like, oh, like I hate it. And, and yes. I just, I just started, I just invested in like some real lessons. Right. So that I, I can try know. to like elevate. That is, I always tell people when you get to the point where you hate what you're doing, cause you think you suck. That's when you're on the verge of leveling up. Yeah. Like that's the part where people quit, but that's actually mm -hmm. where you're really getting that deep learning and it's about to get really good. Yeah. Because I think that you have to know, um, first you think you suck because you doubt yourself. Well, right. and you don't know then, anything. Right. You don't know anything. Right. Then you learn a lot and you get better and you're like, I'm awesome. Dunning but then <laughs> you learn that there's so much more you don't know. And you also now know enough to recognize your own faults. Yes. Uh, and and you only see the fault. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, no, yeah. that's absolutely uh, the case for sure. Yeah. Well, the good news is if you're at that point where you're like, oh, my God, I suck. You're about to get even more amazing. Yeah, well, and the other thing is, is, yeah. is with music, especially, I can identify my shortcomings, right? And so I know what to work on and I know how to practice those things uh, because I can specifically identify them. Uh, and I think that with any kind of artistic pursuit, uh, the first step to leveling up is to not just say, okay, I suck and everything is terrible, but yes. let's specifically diagnose what, the issues. Yeah. yeah, like what is terrible? And yeah. and I mean, that's a conversation I have at least three times a day with people when, you know, something's hurt or injured. I'm like, you need to have that outside person because we cannot see what we're doing. It's mm -hmm. just like that Olympic athlete still has a coach because even though they're the most amazing person at that thing in the world, they can't watch themselves doing it. Yeah. They need someone yeah. to point out the way they're doing it wrong. So Yeah, and the coach is very good at the coaching but could never do what the athletes doing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some people are born to no, I don't want to say nitpick, but I mean, some people are really good mm -hmm. at finding that diamond in the rough and like polishing it. Yeah, for sure. And some people just have that creative spark that they have to express and if you can get those people together that's when yeah. you see the real magic oh yeah and i think that that any artist in any medium uh mm -hmm. spends uh a significant portion of their life building a team around them and th that team is everything from a graphic designer to an mm -hmm. editor to a layout person to a Absolutely. publicist right like all of these you need all of the pieces yeah and and these are these are because i'm good at what I do, but I'm not good at what they do. And mm -hmm. it takes, it takes that village. And that's something that I think that I was slowish to learn. Uh, but at the same time, when you, you know, when you're writing your first novel, especially it, it happens in such a vacuum mm -hmm. uh, and you don't, you don't know if you're going to finish it. You don't know what you're going to do with it. Once you it's don't want to tell anybody about it. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But then once it's done and, and you feel almost this, 
uh, obligation to try to do something with it. You know, you've put so much effort into this thing. Like we got to do something yeah. with it. Yeah. And that's like, when you start to recognize your own shortcomings and, yeah. and, and the, like you, you don't, I can build this entire world mm -hmm. out of, out of my brain, but I can't make a book. Right. I need, I need help yeah. with that part. I need, I need this cleaned up. See, yeah. and for me, I have more ideas than I have time to do anything with the ideas. So my biggest shortcoming is that I think I have like six completed first drafts, mm. right. <laughs> but now I have to find time to edit them because mm. that's the slow part and working full time, you know, having other people in my life. There's only so many hours in the day and I know that it's it's always important to kind of put the priority where you want it. But unfortunately, some parts are more fun than others and are easier to find the time for. Well, and, and for me, revision happens during the school year because that's what my brain's already geared up for uh, because I teach college writing. So that's, And you're correcting. Yeah, absolutely. My, my brain is already in. It is such a different experience to, to look at a manuscript for editorial purposes and then to look at it for composition or, or you know, creative yeah. composition. Uh, and so, yeah, whenever my brain switches gears in August, I always that that's when I at some point during that year, I'll go back to the manuscript that I wrote over the previous summer. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. And then you're almost like it's reading somebody else's work when you put it away for that length of time. Oh yeah, that's that's the coolest I think uh, because now I mean even now if I do readings and stuff um, and I pull from an old book or whatever, it's such a weird experience to go back and uh, and and pull stuff yeah. from from those books. I was I was doing an interview uh, earlier this week and they were asking about a book that I have wrote probably three or four years ago now, mm -hmm. and it just like going back through it and looking for these quotes and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, I was like, this, this is cool. <laughs> I uh, I, do you ever go back and, and read something you wrote and, and like accidentally make yourself cry or something like that? Cause oh, I know that's I, a problem for me. <laughs> I, I, I did, I did cry reading that third novel. Uh, yeah. And it was a good cry. It was, it was the kind of cry that I wanted whenever I wrote it the first time. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And then, I mean, obviously that's all of this is, is the very like shiny, bright, uh, experience. There's also the other experience where you find that typo that you missed, even though you and an editor went over this thing a billion times, you know, the squirrels. Uh, yeah. There's, there's always, they move. they move around. It's not your fault. Yeah. They, they weren't there when you read it the last time. Yeah. There's a trickster, uh, in my life going in there and throwing those Absolutely. commas or I mean, Loki is real. I think so. And he's after writers and he puts typos in there. Yeah. Uh, I think Disney made a bunch of documentaries about him. So I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Although I'm, we're, we're finishing off Supernatural still. So I'm like, yeah, totally Gabriel's Loki. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I kind of like that spin on it. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's you can never get rid of those typos. I have just accepted it. And whenever somebody finds one, I go in and I just fix that one. And then I really, really hope as I'm leaving, I didn't leave a well, type something on. else up. Right. That's the other thing is when you're working through edits and stuff, yeah. you have to be so careful that fixing this thing doesn't mess up something else. Because it uh, will. Yeah. I, I, somebody pointed out in one of my books that a character was wearing two different uh, outfits in the same scene. 
like somewhere down the page, like in one part she's wearing a dress and then in another part she's wearing shorts or something like that. So, uh, yes, I actually, when I beta read for other writers, mm -hmm. that is one of the, th I'm like, um, she doesn't have an arm in this scene. Right. <laughs> She just had an arm a minute ago, and they're like, oh, God. <laughs> "Yeah, and that, and it's it's just one of those things that I'm, you know, I, this is a probably an unpopular opinion, uh, but I really think that I think that imperfection in art gives it something special. Like, and that's not me trying yeah. to like make an excuse for this, like because that's a mistake. I can absolutely admit, like I messed up, right? That that's she should have probably been wearing the dress the whole time because you know she's probably that's weird unless she's a drama queen maybe she did change mid scene yeah, just in no. the middle she's just like that's it i'm out of here uh but i, I have I children think, they do that yeah and i think in music you know if i if i hit the note just a little wrong or what like mm -hmm. or if the timing changes a little bit and it's not perfect to a metronome or whatever mm -hmm. these are things that i think give it life in in, in some way right um that's not to say that if I if I had found that scene, I would try yeah. to change it uh, before publication. But I think like it's published and now it belongs to these guys. Right. And yeah. and, you know, there are many cultures in the world that actually believe you should intentionally put imperfections in your work so that it doesn't offend, you know, God or the God yeah. or whatever. Like and yeah. you don't um, want to get the evil eye on you. I'm secretly a very good writer, but I don't want to <laughs> upset God. Or Loki. <laughs> or Loki, right. It's like that guy holds grudges. For sure he does, yeah. Almost as bad as God does. But yeah, almost. <laughs> almost. Although they might be in league. It's hard to say, depending on which pantheon you write yeah, about. That's fair. Yeah. And I do tend to have a lot of crossover in my books because you have squirrel. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I do like it when different cultures, gods kind of like hang out because I, like that I think idea. that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I like that idea. There's that uh, old episode of South Park where they all got together and like the, uh, there was like a, they did a Justice League parody with all of the deities <laughs> from different world religions. Nice. I don't think I saw that one. I mean, I did watch a lot of South Park, but I don't, rem I mean, I, I think it was called, in Canada. I think it was called Religious Super Friends or something like that. Oh, yes. Um, I just remembered Terrence and Philip. Uh, I mean, yeah, they 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 come for you guys pretty good. <laughs> Except for it's pretty funny because it's like you, you can't take that. I mean, maybe some people can take that like to heart, but mm -hmm. it's so ridiculous. Like, why would you be offended by it? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, yeah. I did I did love the what would Brian Boitano do? Because so like, that guy was awesome in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. The episode you're looking for is Super Best Friends is season five, episode three. I'm going to write that down. So season five, episode three. Yeah. Because uh, I will. Muhammad, Buddha, Moses, Joseph Smith, Jesus. <laughs> nice. <laughs> they make up the super best friends. I think even, I think Aquaman is on it too, for some reason. Well, I mean, I think you kind of have to have Aquaman. And that would be before the Aquaman recent movie. So it would probably be like the old school, like 1970s blonde guy. Yeah, he's blonde. Yeah, yeah. Although I, maybe this guy's just modeled after that, modeled after Aquaman. I can't. Maybe he's like an Atlantean god. Mm -hmm. Oh, that that could that that could be. Oh, Krishna. Oh, and Sea Man, an Aquaman like <laughs> character. <laughs> oh, South Park Sea Man, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. We're going oh, with that. South Park. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. I, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. My kids are getting to that age where all of that kind of stuff is super funny yeah. and well, I never left that age. Again now, right? So the problem is trying to parent when you're still that age. No, right. <laughs> you're like, you can't talk like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're like, you can't talk like that, but at home it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> don't talk like that at school. <laughs> No, I was talking about C-Man. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I like to have some of that stuff end up in the books. Mm -hmm. But I do try to keep them kind of clean because both my mother and my children read them. So oh, right. Yeah. My mom has a real hard time when I write sex. Uh, yes. To the books. Uh, that's that's a tough tough subject i usually just give her which pages to avoid you know and do you think she avoids them or do you think she um, reads them and just doesn't tell you she's read them i'm not 100 sure but i do know that I, I feel like in my first novel which is admittedly a little more rugged than the second one uh i think that she hit this one page and just couldn't go forward with it because it's, <laughs> it's rugged <laughs> well i can imagine that and i actually probably write less of it than i would because i know my mom will be reading it so even as i'm writing things i'm like let's just fade to black here so right. that i don't have to have that talk yeah 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 <laughs> and and now you know in the in my second novel the one about musicians i i put a lot of those jokes in as like band names and stuff yes like that. Uh, like that's funny then there's yeah there's like a taylor swift character in that book and a katie yeah. perry character but they are not katie or taylor i can't remember their names now but um I, they were originally katie and taylor but they were spelled it was like er instead of or taylor and <laughs> well i mean that's legit that's yeah. that's you know um but yeah it's uh and there's like a dave grohl character and, you know, it's, it, when you're when you're working in music you have so many different uh, you need like a nikki six too then oh right yeah right like you have to have a few like those like the the old school like hairband yeah. guys in there yeah and then uh there's this uh this guy gil uh who is just like the manager of the bar and that's what we were talking about earlier right he loves music but he's not, but he can't make it himself. Right? Yes. So he's, so he's the guy that gives everybody else a chance. So he's like the Beatles. Um, oh, what was that guy's name? The Beatles manager. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, what was that guy's name? I want to say Brian. <laughs> Brian Boitano. No. Although he does come back up. See, I did figure skate around right. that time. Brian and I don't know what possessed me because I'm 5'10 and that is not a sport for tall people. <laughs> right yeah i think brian epstein is uh yes that's manager. that's what i was saying i was like is that the right last name though or is that the guy that just got in trouble no that's Weinstein. Uh, okay see i, I didn't want to say epstein <laughs> I do the same thing though every I time i see been. every time i see epstein i'm like wait a minute let's, let's wait a minute. slow it down for a second yeah. although <laughs> i did okay like, like this giant they had like a giant biography that came out in the 90s about it and i'm like they were a troubled group of people mm. very the troubled Beatles? yes oh for sure yes yeah the so. i think anytime you blow up to that degree at that age it, yeah. it, it gets dicey you know i've become yeah. fascinated with billy eilish yes uh, and the documentary about her uh just came on apple tv plus okay um, i have not seen it but she is very fascinating yeah and that documentary is also fascinating and, and something that gives me hope for her is that her family mm -hmm. is very involved Yes. Um, and I, and they I seem very healthy, right? It doesn't seem yeah. like a Lindsay Lohan kind of 
thing or a Britney Spears yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, those are both very sad because they mm -hmm. both had so much talent. Yeah. And it, it just feels like they they maybe didn't have bad people around them, but they had the wrong people to keep yeah. them whole people around them. Yeah, and their their parents, at least to some degree, ended up being like kind of opportunists, right? Like they you would you a momager. Yeah, right, exactly. But you know, like Billie Eilish and, and Phineas, mm -hmm. uh, her brother, mm -hmm. they make mm -hmm. music together. They still live at home. They record all of those songs in his bedroom. Like, that's wild. I love that because I like, I totally get that protective brother vibe. Yeah. From like, and I mean, I haven't seen the documentary, but like anytime you see them, it's just like, leave her alone. Yeah, it's so I interesting that he also, we were talking about coaches and stuff, right? Because he yeah. had written Ocean Eyes for himself and he decided to let her record it. Uh, and it's like she's uh, magic. Yeah, she is like she's like unreal. he can produce and like make her so much more magical. But yeah, like he recognized that ah, right? like he, that diamond in the rough thing. And that's challenging because yeah. I have three brothers and I mean, my brother that's closest in age to me, that's the opera singer. He and I both played piano at the same time. So we were always kind of competing about that right. until we were just like tired of doing that. And I was like, okay, music is going to be your thing. I'm going to go over here and like do more yeah. like education and, yeah. you know, go I'm, into university for a hundred years. I'm also fascinated with their music and trying to figure out how they make it because yeah. it just sounds so interesting. Oh, it is like everything is, it's like so catchy, but like nothing I've ever heard right it's unreal yeah. he he is the real deal in terms of like music production and stuff oh absolutely like he's totally talented but yeah. to be able to say yeah i got my groove i'm good but like the song needs this it needs mm -hmm. her yeah i mean i love my brothers but i would probably sit on them before i gave them a song right Especially you know? hit, right like they uploaded that to soundcloud and now she's selling out arenas and <laughs> i know and like she's totally you can tell like that is not what she was going for she just loves the music yeah 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 it's and it's, it's the wild. art you should yeah. watch it you should get a, a free subscription to apple tv plus I, I for you have one right um, now i just, just do it haven't set it up i think my husband might even have it set up on his stuff <laughs> but I'm like oh but it's really good it's, it is very very good yeah and i i do love watching tv but i also love reading and sleeping yeah, and so understand. it's like oh there's so many and things out there your days have been uh killer over the last year i'm sure yeah, I've, I've had a lot longer days. I'm doing call work again, uh, which I hadn't done since before the first was born. So it's been almost like a full decade in between. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I really, I dislike being awake for like 36 to 48 hours. Mm. But I also really like the kind of work you do when you're on call. Mm. So it's that, yeah, that love-hate thing, right? Yeah like the agroduce as they say in <laughs> french right it's yeah. like everything that's amazing also has that flip side and you have to kind of balance it yeah you have to find where the where the boundary is right uh because you yeah. don't want to you don't want to tiptoe into the like starting to resent it or whatever you know i think we all have limits for everything and that might be the best way to kind of keep the music and the writing 
Yeah. Like when you, one thing, when I get tired of one thing, let's go do the other thing. Yeah. And that's probably the best balance you'll be able to find, I think, is because if you love both things. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's it. And, and, you know, I I talked about when we were doing shows and and before the pandemic, you know, that Mm -hmm. that I was starting to think about canceling them anyway, because I just didn't want to play them anymore. Yeah, Uh, you were tired of it. You wanted to change. I wanted to do something else. Yeah. So I think that uh, and this is something that I've learned from listening to Billie Eilish. You know, uh, music teaches us, right? Yeah. Well, and she uh, she talks about how she has limits whenever they schedule tours and stuff that she has uh, set limits for how many weeks at a time she's yeah. going to be on the road because she doesn't want to start to hate it. Yeah. Well, and she does strike me as a fairly introverted person. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine she would be like, yeah, one day per week, max. Man, and I'm telling you, just playing like a three-hour show at a bar is exhausting. I can't even imagine what she does, like city to city to like. Yeah, I've I've only ever like jumped up on a bar and and like sang with the band. So (laughs) I grew up in small places. You're like, hey, can I can I sing for you guys? And they're like, sure. Right. I was 100% sober every time too, because when I'm not sober, everything feels like too much work. So yeah, (laughs) that's really good. But the secret is doing crazy things like that while sober. People don't assume you're sober because who would do that? Right? Yeah. Right? So yeah, but it's making music, making magic, words on paper yeah i mean i i i feel like we talked about everything but writing but at, at the same time i feel like we talked all about writing it's a hundred percent entwined right yeah because every every song is definitely a story and it's just that the medium shifts yeah and i i do find that fascinating that you've sort of found your own balance with that and at the same time you just released music, you're planning on releasing another book. Yeah, so. I, think it, I think it's almost, uh, it's something, it, th- this is why interviews are so, uh, I think insightful for me, maybe even more than, than the people listening, because it's something that I instinctively do, the, mm-hmm. the striking the balance, but it's not something that I consciously think about. But when you ask me about it, now I have to, now I'm forced to sort of give voice to these things. and. Yeah. I think that that uh, being made to think about those processes are probably probably a good exercise. Well, it, I think it's good to kind of know why we do things because a lot of it is on that subconscious. Mm-hmm. But if you know why, then you can actually build better systems. Yeah, for sure. Not a better mousetrap, but better systems <laughs> yeah. so that you can always love what you're doing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Well, I guess this is probably as good a place because we could keep going. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think this has been a fantastic uh, interview for me. Well, good. I'm glad I, you enjoyed I very much. People can tune into Shane and Heather's new yeah. podcast. Uh, oh, yes. And then we'll throw in like some supernatural and stuff. Yeah, we'll but... do the supernatural. We'll do half an hour on supernatural, half an hour on Billy every week. We'll I love episode. it. And don't even get me started on Buffy the Vampire Slayer because that's totally what got me back into writing. There you go. It's like I can totally do that. If she can, if she can kill vampires, I can totally write a book. (laughs) Yeah, if she can kill vampires and be such a strong like feminist role model and still be working for Joss Whedon, then yeah, she's. 
I mean, we've all had jobs, right? Yeah, for We're sure. like, you love the job. Eh, there's parts yeah, that maybe It's just so interesting that he turned out to be such a creep after creating such uh, a wildly feminist I kind of wondered about that way back in the day, just based on... I was like, what happened to Cordelia, Matt? Mm. Like, that was weird. Yeah. It all made sense when I found yeah. out about that I stuff. need to revisit Buffy. I haven't... Uh, I never watched... Well, that is an Angel, life. actually. Oh, okay. That one is an Angel. So they had basically just made Angel and Cordelia a thing. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, she's like this like super being and like not in the show anymore. And you're like, wait, what happened? Gotcha. I was like, what? Well, yeah, they basically killed her off. I... um. But a I weird. Will, I will stop distracting you. It is starting. Oh, that's to thunder. okay. The thunderstorm is upon me here, and my oh. dog is in the other room, starting to freak out. So, well, we have done extremely well keeping a good connection. Then, yes, and yeah, this has been wonderful, and I'm very much looking forward to the new book that will be coming soon, yeah. and hopefully, we'll be able to catch you at least on YouTube with some of your uh, live appearances. Cause I highly doubt I'll be making it to, are you in Georgia right North now? North Carolina. North Carolina right now. Yeah. I'm like, you were in both places, you but just now. Help me, uh, just help me book a gig up there. I'll, I'll... Well, I think you would probably go over big here, but I don't know if it'd be worth your effort. Cause <laughs> it's pretty far and it's pretty mm -hmm. small here. Calgary might've been a better place when I was there, but. Gotcha. There's about 500 people where I am right now. Well, I'll keep my eyes on it. I yeah. uh, will see if the market starts to trend in another direction. Yeah, that would be awesome. But I think we're still pretty locked down here. Our government is is being, I think, appropriately cautious. Yeah. And we have Don't very have few access to the vaccines yet. Then yeah. No. Yeah, I think we're we're at maybe 10% vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So, and as probably less than 10% of the population have had it. We're still pretty much hunkering down and making more art. There you go. So thank you so much for joining me for the fantasy paranormal musical episode of the writer showcase. Yeah, thank you so much. And I definitely look forward to seeing and hearing more from you. And I will put all the links up so that other people are able to find you. But did you want to just tell them right now where a good place to catch your stuff is? Yeah. So the easiest way to find all things Shane Wilson is at ShaneWilsonAuthor.com. Uh, on the social medias, it's at that Shane Wilson. <laughs> That's excellent. And I love the at that. I'm assuming that means there's more than one. Oh, yeah. There's there are probably several. Yeah. Well, thanks again. And I hope the thunderstorm and the dog do okay. This has been a Writer's Showcase podcast production copyrighted by the Authors on the Air Global Network.